Welcome back to yet another episode of the Football Funders podcast brought to you in association with Let Us Talk Mental Health, football team raising money for mental health charity mind. You can follow them at Let Us Talk underscore MH online and to the Proper Blokes Club at Blokes Club on Twitter or www.thepropablokesclub.co.uk. Walking and talking, breaking the stigma surrounding men's mental health. I'm back with that man, Dan, again. How are you doing, Dan? Good afternoon or good morning, technically. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. It's been nice. As wonderful as the World Cup has been, it's been nice to have a two-day break from any football because uh, I loved it. No, not for you? No, I had to watch Charlton in the middle of that. <laughs> we'll get on to Charlton in a little bit. But um, we're going to start with the World Cup because uh, the round of 16 has ended. The quarterfinal draw has been made. And yes, England are through, much to my surprise, based on my original predictions. And we have the FIFA World Cup bracket. Thanks to <laughs> ESPN for this one. Um, I was quite surprised at how good this was for ESPN and its football. But there you go. We're going to line up our predictions along with what actually happened. So the Netherlands beat United States 3-1. Just tick that one over to get the goal scorers. Memphis Depay, Daly Blind and your lad Denzel Dumfries, Dan. And a rather bizarre goal from Haji Wright for the United States. I don't know if you happened to see it. No, we were doing the podcast. No? Oh, it was a bit of a... It definitely is, was a fluke. Go back and have a look at it. It's definitely a fluke. Who did we, we did we predict we were, the Netherlands? We, we were doing the podcast you heard before. Right. Oh. We did. We we both said that Netherlands would win quite comfortably. Um, it looked like they did. Obviously, we were doing the podcast during this game, so I hadn't seen it. And I didn't go back to watch it either. <sighs> but you'd rather watch Charlton. Poor you. I can't remember. What, what day did we record? I have no idea. Whatever the day Netherlands versus the United States was. <laughs> Let me see if it's got the date on it when we fling back up. Precisely. No, it doesn't have the date. Like it was Thursday. It wasn't that long ago. Let's say that we played. It was Friday, I think. It was last night, wasn't it? You played. Cholton, yeah, I meant the Ah, okay. Argentina beat Australia in a much closer game than I thought it was going to be. I think we've got to give credit to the the Aussies. They've done miles better than anyone expected. But Lionel Messi. And Julian Alvarez and Enzo Fernandez own goal for Australia. Did we predict? I watched this. I couldn't work out if Australia were good. We did, yeah. I couldn't work out if Australia were good or if Argentina just aren't that good. Messi is carrying Argentina. I think it's a bit of both, but I also think one of the biggest problems with Argentina is. You, they've got so much talent that you expect them to be absolutely outstanding and anything less than outstanding just doesn't cut it. So I think there's maybe a little bit of over-expectation for Argentina. They're expecting Everyone's expecting them to be up there with Brazil and France as world beaters because of who they've got. But they're not going to be that. So... We'll see how they do against the Netherlands in the next round, which is... I think you predicted the next rounds, didn't you? I don't think I did. Yes. So you called that one. Well done. Uh, next was Croatia versus Japan. 1-1 and Croatia really won on bad penalties. penalties. Yes, and we're going to get to more bad penalties later. 1-1 there. 
Daisen Maeda, if I'm pronouncing that properly, apologise to anybody who's Japanese yep. if that's offensive. And Ivan Perisic of Tottenham scoring for Croatia. Uh, I don't know where to find the, uh, the penalties. Top, top I'm not going to go and find the penalties. You don't need to. Not that important, let's be honest. Japan can't take penalties. They can't, and neither can Spain, but we're going to get to that. Japan looked like they've never seen a penalty before in their lives. Now, I had a sneaking suspicion. I don't know what we predicted, but I had a sneaking suspicion that... We both picked Japan. Brazil versus South Korea. I think that was a very comfortable win that we all expected, don't you? Yes, and we predicted whoop up was the terminology we used. And I mean, I it think, was, wasn't it, really? I think it was a very fair whoop up I think they took their foot off the gas in the second half. I think it shows from all their goals being scored in the first half and second half, they just could not really be bothered. And they got a game Look, back. Lucas, pack it to crisps. Oh, da, breaking da, 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 da. news. Spain have sacked manager Luis Enrique. That's hardly surprising, is it? I mean, let's no, be honest. It is breaking news. So there it is go. breaking news. There you go. You heard it here first. Da, 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 da. We, we comfortably predicted. I think Brazil probably could have gone to score on four more in the second half had they bothered. Let's be honest. The attacking talent in that Brazil squad is bananas. Needed nine. They needed 10 nil to break the record. So we got one wrong so far. England versus Senegal. There's now more this, to come. Don't worry. This, this, let's talk England while we're doing this. Three goals for England. And that's gone back to Brazil versus South Korea for some reason. That's uh, the wonders of using a website. Da, 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 da. That's the wonder. Let's talk England. Goals from Jordan Henderson, Harry Kane and Bukayo Saka. Or Bukayo, <laughs> as Pete used to say. Goal from Jordan Henderson. I know, of all things. Now, let, let, let's give Gareth Southgate his props. We're through. It wasn't as one-sided as it looks. That first half was quite I mean, dicey was. at times. Well, after we score, as soon as we scored the first, it was over. I think for, for me, I they think did, it was... They once... did nothing as soon as we scored. I think for me, it was the second goal, I think, that flattened them. I, th- I think getting that second goal just before half-time, I think was just like, okay. But for the first, what, 35 minutes? It was a lot trickier than it was going to look. But you've got to give credit to Gareth Southgate because it seems like I've knocked him in the past for not having the ability to change. This World Cup is dramatically proving me wrong from the big things to the little things. Like in the first game, we conceded two goals later on, even though it was a convincing win. And I think he noticed that we needed something extra in midfield so he swapped out Mason Mount for Jordan Henderson, and that's proved effective. I think they were trying to overload in the wide areas and they left the centre of the pitch too far open. But credit to Gareth Southgate, he recognised that and changed it for the first one. In the second game against the United States, I think he learned that he could, when you can't uh, pass and, and break the press from the back, I think it showed against this match at Senegal that he switched from trying to play out from the back to kicking long to Harry Kane from from goal kicks to stop them from initiating their press. I think that well, was you, quite a key change. Have you, have you read the article about Lee Carsley? No, I have not. So Lee Carsley, who's the England under-21 coach, apparently did a presentation to the players. He's gone out there to like assist Southgate and the coaches. Oh, um, fair play. 
he did a presentation to the players the night before the Senegal game, mm. um, basically saying this is where we attack Senegal and was highlighting the long ball up to Harry and then play off Harry um, was all part of his presentation, which obviously the players then went on to to be successful. I, well, I think you've got to give Gareth Southgate actual credit for being open to having somebody else come in and basically coach his team. Uh, I, I, I think that's... That's really what you want coaching staff for, isn't it? Exactly. And if you're bringing in somebody else from the outside to do that, then fair play to you. And I also think that we've, I think we've criticised quite openly his in-game tactics and managerial ability. But making that change when it didn't work previously compared to USA when he didn't change it too much and we were still getting done by the press, I think you've got to give him credit for being open to change and proving a lot of his critics, including me, wrong compared to the previous tournament. Um, England go on to face France, who won 3-1 against Poland. Some more awful penalties. La France. Um, Lewandowski no. got lucky and got to retake oh. his penalty. Oh, yeah. It was no, absolutely yeah, rubbish. Yeah. So goals from Olivier Giroud, two from Kylian Mbappe and one from Robert Lewandowski. Is Olivier Giroud arguably one of the most unappreciated strikers? He's now France's top scorer, I believe. I think we are we talked about this on a previous podcast. I, I think, think we, we did when we were discussing have. the Premier League. Kind of like we were talking about Premier League strikers of all time. I believe Olivier Giroud came up and we were kind of all in an agreement. He never got the credit he deserved, especially Especially at Chelsea, I think he did a, a, a lot of things for Chelsea. That, that, at Arsenal, I think he did get the credit. At Chelsea, he didn't. And it's the same for France. He's now there all-time in goal scorers, you just said. Um, and I, I was talking to a friend yesterday about, about this England game. Obviously, we'll get on to England-France in, in, in a bit of a deeper conversation once we've, we've cleared through the, the 16. Giroud's the one that concerns me the most, but we'll get on to that. Yeah. So, France looking comfortably, arguably, up there with Brazil as... the two best teams in the World Cup thus far. Would you agree? Outside of us? Yeah, outside of us. I'd, I'd say we're up there, to be fair. I think we've performed. I think we've earned our place up there thus far, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Morocco versus Spain. I'm not even going to click on that one because there was no goals. Not a lot really happened until we got to the penalties and arguably the worst penalty shootout I think I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. So, so bad. It was absolutely terrible. So I was sitting on the bus going home and um, I was watching the game and uh, I was, the commentator said, whoever the co-commentator was for the game, I can't remember who it was, but said that Luis Enrique made a comment before the tournament, if you've not taken 100 penalties or whatever it was. It was 1,000, I think, yeah. Like, you, you're you not in the squad because if we go to penalties. Uh, well, it doesn't matter apparently. Cause, but they did the, if I'm correct, I may be wrong, they, they um, Spain did in England at the Euros because they brought on pa um, Pablo Sabaya. Yeah, he got a couple and, uh, of, games, he, couple he of minutes. Missed the penalty. Yeah, <laughs> he but I think penalty. there is a subtle difference. Sarabia was on the pitch for longer than uh, Rashford. He came on in the 119th minute. Yeah, but he played. He got a couple of touches on the ball. I think he had a shot on... Well, I want, don't want to say on target, but he had a shot. It, it wasn't like... The case with I think it was Saka and Rashford, wasn't it? Who just walked onto the pitch to take penalties. Um, yeah, but they they were on for the same amount of time. But 
Spain, oh my gosh, if that's their rule, a thousand penalties. That's Sergio so Busquets has very clearly never taken a penalty in his life, judging by his penalty. It's the first penalty shootout I've ever seen that I think a team has missed the first three penalties or three. it's it saved. So bad. It was that, awful. It's like they didn't even look like they were trying. And after the game, there was a big thing made by, I think it was Rodri, about Morocco's style of play. And I thought, really, you, you should be looking at yourself. Because there was a there was a point in commentary where it was John Hartson. John, I'm sure it was John Hartson, and he said, "Oh, it's been magical. Spain have had 950 passes of the football." And yeah, I thought we've got to do something with it. To where? Yeah. If Americ Laporte's got 200 passes because he's passed to his keeper and back, what's that? To do? This is my argument with again. We'll get on to Charlton in a minute, but this was one of my arguments with Ben Garner was he'd come out and say, "Well, we had 65 percent possession, right? But we've done fuck all with it." So other than that, I was going to say, I think I can't remember if it was you. I think we had this conversation before, and I just found the old Barcelona side under Pep absolutely boring because they just pass you to death. Well, I find I don't watch Man City for that reason. I can't Man City. Well, now they signed Haaland, they play with a bit more. Directness. Yeah. Before it was like, here's, we'll have Yaya Torre on the ball for two and a half hours. And then Yaya became Rodri and etc. cetera. Fernandinho. Um, so, yeah. So, very little to say about this. This, on the other hand, I'm sad to say I missed this and I had to catch the highlights. Uh, Portugal, six. Switzerland, one. Goals from Goncalo Ramos. Never even We got this one him. wrong too. We both said Switzerland would win this, by the way. Yeah. Pepe, <laughs> Rafael Guerrero, Rafael Leal, and a consolation for Manuel Akanji, who looks, I've got to say, to be a really decent signing for Manchester City. He seems like a great defender and scores goals. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously the talking point in this yet again, in the fact that he was dropped to the bench, he did not start. And Portugal promptly go out and wallop, arguably one of the most solid sides in uh, recent international football history, I would argue, as you've always said, they're the benchmark. That's if you done. can yep. beat them, then it's you're, you're a decent side. I'm. Um, I would argue that Switzerland were, having seen the highlights, were a lot poorer than they usually were, which allowed Portugal to whoop them. But yeah, the Portugal occasion. definitely have the potential to whoop anyone, I think, judging by their talent. And if they stop playing for Ronaldo, as they have done thus far, and got to give like, credit to the coach, massive cojones for dropping uh, Ronaldo. It's, it's interesting now that he's been benched by Juventus, Manchester United and Portugal, but everybody is still saying that those three managers are wrong and Cristiano Ronaldo needs to play. But I feel very sorry for the young lad, uh, Ramos, who scored, Ramos. That scored a hat-trick and nobody's talking about him because they're all talking about Ronaldo still. And I think he deserves much praise. I had to look him up because I'd never heard of him. He's like some 21-year-old yeah, from, from Benfica. And his goal-scoring yeah, was... record is actually really decent. He was very but... close to joining PSG in the summer, but they went elsewhere. Stay like, where you are. Bit... Or come to Man United, lad. You look like a proper finisher. We could do with you. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got some strikers available if you'd like them. Yeah, no, thank you. Okay. Well, they claim to be strikers not, anyway. I mean. Not the quality we're looking for, but thanks very much. And plus, Chucks is barely fit. Oh, he's, the one, so. he's the one you can't have. So, Portugal... We, we kind of need him. 
Portugal comfortably through. I'm sure if Man United offered you five million for Chucks and Ek, you'd take it. Oh yeah, I would. But that would be nice. No, we won't go into the owner situation just yet. Right. So we'll, we'll wait. Netherlands Argentina is the first quarterfinals. You've already that? done yours. It's tomorrow. It's twelfth of the ninth at seven p.m. So I'm going to miss that balls. Um, I'm not sure when that is. When is that? Tomorrow, seven p.m. Oh, is it tomorrow? Oh, that's what you just said. It's tomorrow at seven p.m. Did I just say that? Oh my god, this is terrible! Don't let me present this show, Dan. What are you doing? <laughs> um, who do we think you you predicted yours, didn't you? Who did you have go through Argentina? I had Argentina. I still think Argentina, but I think it's extra time penalties job. I've got I've got a funny thing. I think Netherlands could have. Argentina, you know, I'm I'm going to back the Netherlands on this one. I think since they changed their lineup slightly and their tactics just a little bit, um, Cody Gakpo seems to have really surprised me. I thought he was a a wide player, sort of, or an inside forward, if you have, but he seems to be doing very well playing through the middle. I know he didn't score in the last game, but Memphis Depay is back and fit, and he seems to have added an extra dimension for Holland that. I don't know if it's maybe he's matured a lot, but it's just something we didn't see when he was at Man United. But he was about 18, 19 when we signed him. So you, you never know. So you're saying Argentina, I'm saying Netherlands. Croatia versus Brazil tomorrow at three o'clock. It's Brazil, isn't it, really? Lappy, slappy. I was going to say, Croatia have got a habit of getting to latter stages of tournaments by boring people but, to death. Yeah, I was going to say, by doing absolutely nothing, it's genuinely impressive. But judging by this Brazil side, I don't think they're going to get away with this. Do you think this Brazil side took the piss against South Korea a little bit with some of their goal celebrations and no. there's some keepy uppies and some seal headers and no, no? This is their culture. You're happy to see all that stuff. We haven't no, seen I mean, it from them in years, though. Let's be fair. It's 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 Brazil. It's the way that they express themselves. There'd be stuff that our players would probably do that would piss them off, like crunching people in the tackle and stuff. People just, say, just I mean, stop growing and getting upset because they don't... It's not... Sorry, Roy Keane, but just because it doesn't happen in Ireland doesn't mean it doesn't happen around the world, you absolute <laughs> burp. That man is the biggest contradiction I've ever known. He's like, oh, you shouldn't be taking the piss. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that when it's Brazil. But when it's Ronaldo, he's like, oh, no. You can't be leaving him on the bench. Oh, he no. He's a star. He's a star. He's got to play. He's got to play. But you know full well that if, he, if Ronaldo pulled that stuff and refused to come on when Roy King was still playing at Old Trafford, Roy King would have booted him around the training ground the following day for being yeah. disrespectful. Oh, Let, oh. Let's not forget that this is a guy who got oh, credit, basically credit to Cristiano. Oh. bombed out of Old Trafford for making a, a few comments on a TV on the Man United TV show about how bad his fellow players were playing, and Alex Ferguson promptly let, moved him on to Celtic. Yeah, and also, let's not forget as well that he's also the player that walked away from his country in a World Cup. I'm, I'm going to... Dis- people complain about it. I disagree from... I've read his book. I've read Mick McCarthy's oh, so book. I. And I, just don't think, I just think you should... I just think, you know, you're at World Cup. Still. I genuinely believe that I think he had a valid point in... I'm, I'm not sure he actually walked away. I think he was actually sent home, um, depending on who you believe. But I think uh, it was uh, other, well other within player- his rights. <laughs> Other players' accounts tell you that he won't. Um, but I think it's well within his rights to criticise the state of the place and the lack of professionalism at the time. And I think uh, Ireland or Air or whatever they're going by now, because everybody's changing their names, 
um, have learned from that episode and made things a bit more professional. So fair play to them. We'll come back to England and France in a second. Um, Morocco versus Portugal. Morocco, very much the surprise package that we didn't think would get as far as they've done. They, they seem quite resolute and quite sturdy, but I think Portugal are going to have them, don't you? Portugal are the opposite scale of possession football. They play very direct to Spain. And Portugal could, I think, can break this Morocco team down and will. And I think if they keep the same lineup that they used in the last match, I don't think you can justify putting Ronaldo back in the squad at the expense of Ramos now, can you? You come no, on and score a hat trick. Who else plays up front for them? To be fair, I've barely watched any Portugal this tournament. They seem to be going under the radar a little bit, or is it me? No one seems to be backing them. Everyone's talking France, Brazil, and England. Portugal seem to sort of quietly and effectively seem to be going about their business and they only talk about Portugal when they talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. I think a lot of these Portuguese players, I think it's no coincidence that since Ronaldo's left Manchester United and been dropped by Portugal, that Bruno Fernandes looks like a completely different player um, for both club and country. So we're predicting Portugal to go through comfortably. Bueno, see. So Portugal through comfortably, Brazil through comfortably, Dan thinks Argentina via penalties. I think Netherlands can have them in 90 minutes. England versus France. Let's talk England-France. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, so I, I I, don't want to make a prediction. I'm going to sit on the fence in some style. Um, but I'll explain why, and I will own it in, in the next round if, I, if it goes wrong. I think it all depends on Southgate's bottle. Do you think he's going to choke and go back to three at the back because of Mbappe? If he, if he goes to three at the back, we haven't got a chance. I don't think we could cope with the overload in their midfield. And I'm already concerned about not, not even Mbappe against Carl Walker. Giroud against Maguire and Stones concerns me. Yes, um, I, I would agree with that. He's, he's too smart of a player to be in between two boneheads that will drop a clanger at some point. Harry Maguire did it against Senegal multiple times. That was his... Mm. Ironically, last Thursday, I sat here on this podcast and said, how well of the World Cup he came. Then he shat the bed against Senegal. Um, I'm not John Stone's biggest fan either. Defence is where I think is our weak spot. So if we go with five at the back, I'm a bit concerned. Also, though, I also believe France's weak spot is, is at the back. Rafa Varane does not look fit. No, um, I agree Hernandez, with that. Hernandez, which, which one was the one that got injured? Lucas that played and got injured, right? Uh, I think it's Lucas Hernandez who got injured. I think it's Tio Hernandez who is playing, whichever, but I could be wrong. Let me quickly the one Google is now, that. The Hernandez that's playing now doesn't understand when a football's behind him that he has to go and get it. So I think that could be a point for us to really attack I'd love us to stay with the three in the middle match kind of match them up you have Declan Rice on Gresman and then you can kind of let Bellingham and because Bellingham versus Tushimane is going to be a battle for years and years to come on club and hopefully international stage because they're both very young so that's going to be a really nice battle then I think we can make with Foden I'd put Foden on Hernandez personally and just let Foden run rings around him um, and then you could put Saka on the other side with Pavar. Uh, I do think their defence is their weak spot. We know that Hugo Lloris is a bit bonkers and makes the odd mistake. I said Varane doesn't look particularly fit. 
there's a chance that we could attack and get away with it. But I think it all depends on the formation. For me, it's important that we match up in the midfield. Rather, that I'd rather we matched up in the midfield like we have been with Henderson, Rice and Bellingham than go to a three at the back and try to sit there and deal with Gresman's runs. And Because I, I, I genuinely believe as much as they can attack and cause problems, we can do the same because their defence, I don't think, is as good as it was four years ago. It is Lucas Hernandez, by the way, who's left um, because he's got an ACL injury, apparently. Um, speedy recovery to him for that. I'm... I think we'll go four five one. I'm, I don't, I'm not convinced he'll go three at the back because I think Mbappe. I know I can see the the logic. Go to three at the back. Put Carl Walker in there and have him man mark Mbappe. But you can have him man mark Mbappe sure. from right back. I think front. as good as as much as I've said that France have still got a good midfield, uh, even though Kante and Pogba aren't there. I still think England's is better. So I think and we... you can match it up literally yeah. person for person. You can put Rice on Gresman because Gresman's playing in the it's sort of a withdrawn not, role, isn't not he? Not really yeah. a ten, but he's also not he's an eight. That's very yeah. attacking. So you can have Declan Rice on him. You then have Jordan Henderson picking up Rabiot, who just does whatever he wants, and Henderson is fine with that. And then you have the interesting battles I just covered: Bellingham and Tushmane, which is going to be a battle for the years, like not not just Sunday, but four years because they're both really young. So I think the midfield is where the game's won if Southgate has the bollocks to keep the same. And as I said, I do think we have the strength like Lucas Hernandez. You said Tio's playing. It's Tio. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen, like when I've watched France, there's always a gap behind him. Well, I think he's much in a similar vein to Luke Shaw. He's much better going forwards than he is going backwards. Not to say that he's bad going backwards. But they're very, shall we say, no, positive-minded. He, look, he looks bad going going backwards. There's a lot. I was not watching him against um, Poland, not Poland because Poland would crap. Um, who was the the Australia game? Mm-hmm. Australia got all of their chances by just going down the right wing and putting a cross in. So continue doing it. Just we we can do that. So I'd put Foden on him and just let Foden do run around, run around around him, see what we can get. But. I'm I'm scared the Southgate's going to revert to a to a five at the back. I, th- I think I think you're right to be concerned, um, but I think I'm going to on this very rarest of occasions. I think I'm going to stick up for Gareth Southgate and say that he's me. Yeah, that he's been, he's shown in this tournament, as I said earlier, that he, tactically he's prepared to tweak things in game and move things around when they don't work. So if he carries on that vein of form, I'm hoping that he will stick to what we've done thus far. And then if it doesn't work, he changes to suit the match. So, so I I predicted, I had this discussion at work. I promise I do do some work at work. Um, I was talking to some, one of my colleagues and I said, I wonder if he's flexible enough to have it so that when we're off the ball, I'm kind of going back to matching up, as I was just said, mm. in the midfield, does Declan drop into a five? off the ball, but then when we're on the ball, step up into the midfield. So that, And then you get the wide players to come in narrow yeah. and squeeze into a four. That, so then you can yeah. naturally have a swing. So because because of how Gresman plays and that space that he occupies, you can more or less have Declan Rice sit in between Stones and Maguire when they're on the ball to say, right, come on in. And then he can step out. But then as soon as we get the ball, then he attacks with the midfield. Obviously, that means it's a lot of work for Declan, but he is good enough to do it. We know he is. 
I was going to say, yeah, he's clearly very good enough to do it. So that's not a problem. I, th I think you're right. I think maybe we see a slight difference in the three in central midfield. I think maybe, like you said, Declan Rice maybe falls into an anchor man and then you've got a two in Bellingham and Henderson in front. Mm. So then he can either step up when we're attacking or drop back and make a five. And like you said, drop to a four. That's possible. But whether Gareth Southgate has learned that trick yet, I think a lot of my criticism of Gareth Southgate was simply just the fact that he hadn't been in management for very long, hadn't didn't have much experience. So he's kind of learning on the job, I suppose, mm. which is, is where my attitude has kind of changed towards him now. I think now I've realised that he is learning as he goes and we're seeing proof that he is learning, then I think I'm prepared to give him much more slack than I would have previously. I think when we went back to the Nations League and actually looking back at our conversation, I'm going to say this, but Captain Birdseye was right. He was using the Nations League to test certain things. And now, obviously, he's tested it. It's not worked. He's not gone to it, if that makes sense. He's gone elsewhere. I think the only thing I will say on that is it was very hard during the Nations League to see what he was trying to do because the formation... Was... a lot of players. Yeah, but the formation was always the same. The style of play was always the same. I've noticed. Yeah, I think he was going through his personnel. That's what I think he, he was doing. Yeah, but we're also playing a completely different system and a completely different style of play out at this World Cup. I would argue that our style of play is based on the conditions we're playing in, even though the stadiums are air conditioned. It's still got to be really hot out there. So this short passing game that Gareth Southgate's adopted, I think has been done to limit the amount of running that they do to conserve energy as much as possible. I just think he's found a formation that works, personally. Yes, I think he's found the right players that work. I think he's, we saw with Mason Mount that he was like, OK, Mason Mount's not going to work as I want him to in this system. So I'm going to bring in the experience of Jordan Henderson, who I know my is only, a good foot soldier and he will do the job. My only complaint, is, and, I, and it's not really a complaint because obviously he's still doing the job, but I still would like to see Phil Foden play more centrally. But if we're going to play with this, you, you can't put Phil Foden as the three midfielders as they're currently being deployed. So, And I obviously think... now, we're, now we're playing France, then obviously after France, it's if whoever wins, is, it's likely Portugal. Um, I think the, the time of playing that kind of Phil Foden in the 10 with wingers is, is over. Um, Raheem Sterling is also returning to the camp, so... I don't think he's been missed. If I was him, I think I probably would have no. stayed at home following what but happened. He, he, he is returning to the camp. Um, and he'll be I, I, think he's, I think he's like fourth choice now, really, because if you look at... Yeah, yeah. Um, arguably, maybe fifth, because you've got Jack Grealish as well. Um, but if you look at Phil Foden, I know you want him to play centrally, but his record at this World Cup shows yeah, no, that he doesn't I mean. need to start in the centre to, to no. play. And him, him and Saka are probably confirmed first and second choice. I would start Rashford, not against France. I think Bukayo Saka is the better chance against Rashford uh, defensively. Yeah, I agree. Um, than Rashford, but I think if you're playing like against Senegal, maybe against Portugal, where their wing backs aren't as like Delo's good at going forward, but he's a good defender. Yeah, you could start Rashford maybe against like Delo or Guerrero. Mm. Rub or well, actually Guerrero, even right. Guerrero, then you probably start Saka. So before we move on to our other topic for today. Now your colours to the mast. 
I can't. Who do you, who do you think is going to win? Depends on the tactics. Come on, come on. No, no, England, no fencing. England. England. I am predicting that it goes nil-nil and it goes to penalties and England sadly get knocked out. That is, that going, is going to be my prediction. I'm going England win because I think if we go 4-3-3, we win. Or 4-5-1, however you want it. Our sad news of the week for Dan and the absent captain is Charlton have sacked yet another manager. Ben Garner has been shit-canned. Dan, go go for it, mate. I don't know where to start. Um, I mean, first of all, I think it's very harsh. The situation is very harsh on Ben Garner. Um, how you expected him to come in completely so to be to go back to kind of Lee Boyer so three managers now Lee Boyer played a very direct style of football um he was on the floor but quite get the ball up to Josh Parker Chuckson EK whoever was kind of the second man play off him and then get Lyle Taylor or Connor Washington into space to, to score the goals um Nigel Atkins tried something similar with Jaden Stockley. Um, wasn't very successful at it. Johnny Jackson did something similar, was pretty successful with Stockley, but defensively, Jacko's team was a nightmare. But again, as well, I'll get onto in a minute, that, that hasn't changed. Um, so we hired Ben Garner in the summer with pretty much the same group of players that Nigel Atkins and Jackson had. There's been turnover, but not, not massive. Mm-hmm. Um, the and the idea was that Ben Garner was going to come in and Jacko was sacked because they didn't like his style of play again direct. So they hired Ben Garner, who played very his, his idea is slow, patient build up play on the floor, get the ball through to your strikers. Um, but the problem is we have players that just can't play that style of football. Especially, I think if you're going to play out from the back, you need a keeper that's comfortable on the ball, which we do have until I jinxed him. Um, and then he got injured to the World Cup. Uh, but we have centre-backs that can't play that style. Ryan Innes can't touch a football. Um, he prefers to go for their legs. So, And Sam Lavelle is a six-foot-three giant. We don't have we don't have wing-backs at the club. Um, for example, last night, if anyone watched last night's game, we had a left-back playing right-back and, and a striker playing left-back. Um, yeah, again, don't know what's happened there. Um, we've kind of well, he's more of a winger, he's like he plays the front three positions effectively. Who was it, Jai Seamy? Ty- Tyrese Campbell. Okay, right. Um, please don't play Jai Seamy ever again. Um, <laughs> we'll get on to Jai Seamy in a minute. And then in the midfield, is probably our strongest position, it's where our best players are George Dobson, Scott Fraser. Um, good on the ball, Scott Fraser's very good on the ball. George Dobson is there to. Just murder people in the midfield, frankly. That's what he's good at. He's a great tackler of a football. Um, and then he just passes the ball off and lets everyone else do it. And then we don't have... We have wingers, but they claim to be wingers. Um, Blackett Taylor claims to be a winger. I claim he's injured. Um, he plays a couple of games and he'll miss a couple. Uh, Charlie Kirk depends, I don't know, maybe what he's had for dinner, I guess, on whether he plays football or not. And Jaling Jaisimi who's had a very injury hit year this year, we've now had for two years, 
and we have seen nothing that would suggest he was where we signed him, in my opinion, off the back that he ripped us a new one when he played for Swindon. Right. And I have a feeling it was more we were really bad than he was good. Right. I don't think he's that good of a player. Um, we just don't have any. And then again, so then we get out front where we had Chucks and Stockley and luckily Miles Lieburn came through the academy, but obviously injured. Um, in recent months, we've lost five or six players to injury. Like I said at the beginning of the season, I'm, I'm having this conversation with you and the captain when we talk about league predictions. We've got a good start in 11, but two injuries and we're out. Um, and that's what happened. We lost Miles Lieburn, so we, di- we didn't have anyone scoring goals. Uh, the defence started this year with Ewan O'Connell, who a lot of Charlton fans were a bit meh, a bit unsure of, but I thought he was very good. Um, Innes was better next to O'Connell than when he's been next to anyone else. Um, and to sum it up Friday, but Ben Garner's been, I don't want to say wangling for the sack, but his press conferences in the last month or so have been very much, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, yes. he's he's not given two shits really, is he? No. About what's he's, coming out of his mouth anymore. He, Even I've noticed. He's just that. said it. He, he he would come out and say like, "What? What do you want what, me to he, do?" I don't know. Even when we were winning games, even when we were winning games, he was saying like, "We might be in ninth or wherever." He said, "But we've got nowhere near what the teams around us have," and that's maybe not something you should say in public. People would argue, but he's not wrong. Didn't he also come out recently and say that? the investment that he was promised was only yes. a fraction of yes. what he was actually given. So we lost to Port Vale, not last weekend, the weekend before we lost one nil. And after the game, he basically came out and said, this is my squad. Um, this isn't the squad that I wanted when I came into the club. Um, this isn't what I was told I'd have when I signed for the club. I haven't been able to go out and improve this squad. He said, I've got players here that aren't at the level that we are at, let alone looking to play um, and he said a lot of them are on their last morning which turns out he was on his last morning yep. <laughs> because last Friday we played Cheltenham and I, I went to the game um, yeah more of the same he wants to play again it's one of those things where you could blame him and say well if you keep trying to play this football and it doesn't work why don't you change it but then at the same time the owner should have put him in a position if they knew when they hired Ben Garner he wanted to play this football they should have made then the finances you should, you available. Should make the finances players. available. Yeah. And the thing that bothers me the most is two players that we let go for free because Sangard's son didn't think they were good enough. Um was Ben Perrington at left back and Connor Washington up front. Now Connor Washington is your Connor Washington's negative was his finishing. But his positive was his link up. His positive was his link up play, his movement, he got into loads of space. He pulled defenders out of the waist. I mean, Jane Stockley, I'm not surprised. Jane Stockley scored 20 goals last year. He's got right. two this year. Two. Right. The only difference around him is Connor Washington. The rest is the same. We've still got Corey Blackett-Taylor. The lad from Palace, um, Jason and Raksaki, he either is Lionel Messi or Bambi, and there's no middle ground. He, do- he doesn't play okay. <laughs> but he either plays and skills up the whole team, and you go, he's really good. Or you go, have you seen a football before? So again, and it's not helpful for him. Like he's eighteen years old, and yeah, I don't really know what he's getting out of this, it. Like, I'm... this doesn't seem to have been, on reflection, a very good marriage of manager 
and club. I think if oh, there was that. more money available, then you see, it's it seems genuinely weird because it seems like you've maintained a squad that were designed to play the way Bowyer and Jacko did. And then yep. you've brought in a manager who is going to play a completely different style. And if you are not going to put the money into the club to bring in the players that that manager wants to play, then why do you hire him in the first place? I can I understand your point that if the manager's trying to play a certain way, but he doesn't have the players to do so, then he needs to change his style to adapt to what he has. Mm. But, but why, 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 why do it in the first case? Yeah, first why case. bring him in if you know full well that you're not going to back him and change the style of play? So, it's, I find it bizarre. The most bizarre thing I find is, so when Sandgard first came over, he put in this five-year plan, which most owners do. That's not a problem. Yeah, it's all bollocks, but, but yeah, carry his, on. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just kind of go, well, that's cute, but come on, realistically, yeah. it's not Prove it or shut up. Yeah, um, and and then again, like I wasn't expecting. Like if we didn't get to the Premier League in five years, I wouldn't be like, oh. But you know, like he he come in and that first season, he he spent some money. I'll give mm-hmm. him his due. He spent some money. I think he thought I'll have one window where I'll throw a million at it. Yeah, and that'll do it. So we signed Chucks back from Birmingham, and Charlie Kirk, and there was one more. Sam Lavelle, um, three players we brought in. All, all have been Chuck's when fit is a good player. The other two have been very hit and miss, and since then he just he has just stopped investing. There's just no, there's a lot of off the field issues that um, apparently have been sorted um, with nice financial payoffs according to Twitter. So um, that doesn't look particularly good for Sangard and, and his his portfolio, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a bit of a mess. Um, if you're a manager, my concern right now is if you're a manager, the next manager we get is a hundred percent going to be a yes man. Cause any manager in their own right. mindset, much like Ben Garner, will look at what Ben Garner had and go, well, I ain't having that. Yeah. I ain't touching that. Nigel Atkins was a yes man. Is it like, time what- for, is it time for Steve Bruce at the Valley? Could be. I mean, I've seen. <laughs> I've Can't seen coming up from Wrexham or wherever he is. I've I've seen I've seen the the yes man that I'm convinced we will hire. And who's that? It was Kenny Jackett's been at the Valley for the last two games. Oh, okay. And it's been reported in the press in Portsmouth because obviously that was his old club mm-hmm. that he's been interviewed. Um, and with his mill ties, if Sangard hires Kenny Jackett. This is going to be a disaster, isn't oh, it? Man. The fans are already after. I mean, we got knocked out of the FA Cup by Stockport last night, and we lost three-one, and it should have been more. Oh dear. Um. So the fans are are already out for blood. If he hires Kenny Jacket, Jesus, yeah. he's in trouble. I've seen some of the. So that I've seen three names that have been rumored to have already been interviewed. Kenny Jacket. Again, all rumours from different newspaper mm-hmm. articles, etc. Uh, Kenny Jacket from the Portsmouth line. Someone, the EFL Live said Neil Redfern. Right. Who people remember played for Cholton in the 90s. I think he managed Leeds for a while, not long yeah, ago. He was at Barnsley as well, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, and he's been managing over in America or coaching over in America. And the one this morning is Ian Foster. Who is he? Who manages the England under-20s. Right. 
Never heard of him. Um, neither have I, but apparently he's been interviewed. And the other one's Dean Holden, who was at Stoke and was sacked last year, maybe the, the year before. Bolton player? That's Stuart. Okay, right, my mistake. Um, and there's also like the other ones that I've seen linked are Mark Bircham, who manages over in Italy. Former QPR team, player. Yeah, for a yep. team called Como. Right. Yeah, They're, like doing quite well in Serie B. Um, Lee Bowie's been up there, but I don't think he'd take it back. I mean, I'd personally, I'd quite happily have Bowie back, but I don't think he'd come back under Sangard. Um, so it's kind of up in the air. I, I tend to think the Kenny Jacket one's probably true. I could see Sangard saying, look, you've got teams out of League One when they've not had the budget before. Yes, but this does, as you said, strike as tone deaf and has... I think for me, it's just further proof that your owner has no clue about the actual club in any shape or form because you would, you you just wouldn't hire him based on his reputation. It'd be like Charlton trying to appoint Neil Harris. You know, it just wouldn't go down. He's he's six months time when we've got rid of Jackie. Because he's about to lose his job. Who would you like to see? I want Lee Bowie back. You want Lee Bowie back? I, I want Bowie back, but I don't think he will. I mean, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. The one I was interested in before was Chris Hewton. But again, I don't think he'd come in given the circumstance. So that's intriguing. The one thing I would say before we finish, Peter Varney, is, Peter Varney the, the Charlton director when we were in the Premier League, yeah. um, he has recently been very active on social media um, claiming that the, there's a game, Charlton playing in the League Cup. Is it the quarterfinals we're in there? I don't know yeah. whatever it is. I think it's the quarterfinals. Yeah. You've got Brighton at the Valley. Um, he's done a, a campaign getting Charlton fans to come. He says because he's bringing guests that need to see the atmosphere. Oh. What it's like when fans bring the club together. Right. So it's being rumoured that, well, being rumoured slash indicated, I'm assuming. Uh, there's another football bringing, takeover potential owners um, that are coming. The rumour is they're an American franchise owner. Right. Um, obviously, I don't know what that means. That could mean an MLS team. That could mean an NFL team. That could yeah, mean it anything. could be anything. It could be a, a, a minor league team, but not anyone a big team. It could be a little team. Yeah, so, but as long as they got money to put into Charlton, that's well, here's the thing, you like, need to know. I don't even... And this is the thing, like, I saw... Uh, you get them on Twitter. There was this idiot Gillingham fan, which they all are, so that's not really a surprise. But he was tweeting like, oh, Charlton don't play at fans. They expect someone to come in and pump money into the club. No, no, no. I want you to come in. You can put in the bare minimum. Like Roland Duchatelet put in the bare minimum. But the one thing he always did was make sure that we had a squad. Yeah. So as much as I wanted him out because of his off-field stuff that he was doing at the club, on the pitch, we weren't awful. Yeah. People have this fault especially the generation kind of above me, oh, Charlton should be a Premier League team. You are where you are, frankly. We've been yes. in the Premier League for 20 years. It's like saying uh, Man United should win the Premier League every year. No, we shouldn't. Yeah. We're, not, we're nowhere close. I think, you know, the size of the club, probably a championship side. And But we've spent the most of the last 15 years in League One. This is where yeah. we are. The top of League One, yes. And then spells and flirts with the championship. But this is where we are. So I just, I just like us to, I'm not saying go and invest, but just put a little bit of money in. Just say to the manager, look, here's a little bit. Like Lee Bowie actually said about Roland, like in one of his interviews not long ago, he did since he left Charlton. He liked working with Roland because it was, here's your budget. I'm off. 
Yeah, see you later. I don't care. I don't care. Just stick to this is your transfer budget, this is your wage budget. Don't give a monkey's what you do with it. See you later. Yeah. And it was almost like that's better than a chairman. I'd rather, and and looking back, obviously at the time it weren't great, but now we've got an owner that won't put money in but wants to control everything. Yep. But what are you controlling? Because even then, like Roland still owns the ground, Roland still owns the training ground. Yeah. So what are you, all you own is the football club. Yeah. So what and I saw like someone say like, oh, but what if he tries to run the club into the ground? I said, Well then that all he loses out on is the, the football club. Eventually he he'll be replaced. Too. If he tries to run it into the ground, eventually he will be replaced because he's I, I'm convinced he's trying to sell. As soon I think as... he I think he was trying to sell already. Yeah. Because I I think he as I said, he tried that investment in that first year or two. It went wrong, and I think he realised, shit. I think the Glazers are a, a, a similar example in the sense of, obviously, we're talking about different spectrums in money and stuff, but when the financial model or the ownership model that they had in mind stops working, people will leave. And I think it's the same with Sangard because if I remember rightly, you said that he was trying to do it, uh, it for it to be like self-sustainable, cost-effective, Yes, yeah, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, especially when you're in that league trying to fight to get out of it because there is potentially very little money to earn in League One. It's when you get to the Championship and the Premier League where the TV revenue is so much more mm. that you're actually going to make your money unless you've got fantastic sponsors. That and when you're paying... To... So I think, again, like little things like he's paying rent to Roland for the training ground and the football yeah. ground. So that's a certain amount of money each month. Yeah, that could go into the could, playing budget. Could be put into the squad, yeah, if you yeah. just hadn't been a tight bugger to begin with. Um, and I remember, like, even looking back, like, and I remember me and Pete agreeing with you, but when we first talked about because I remember the first year we did the podcast predictions, you'd put Cholton to go up last year. Yeah. And me and Pete started laughing, and you were like what you're big side and we were like there's no one at the club that knows football yeah we're still there like i see a lot of child fans going and having a go at steve gallon on well players he's brought in isn't good yeah because the people above him are a chairman and the chairman's son yeah but i mean the, also, the other thing is is that you can only bring in a certain quality of player if you've got the finances to do so you're very lucky in this day and age at any football club to bring in a player of really high quality on very low wages they have to be a very unique situation. So you can argue that the quality of player you brought in is crap. But if you're only able to sign, if you've only got the money for crap instead of average, then you're only going to be able to sign crap. So my my thinking of what I what I think Stangard's doing, I think he gets, I think he keeps the club through till February March time. Yeah, I think he, I think his aim is get to January, sell off. And again, I might be completely wrong. Sell off Miles Leeburn. Sell off Zach Mitchell, kind of the youngsters that have broke into the first team and look like football is competitive. One and, he's gonna go. and then say, right, I'm going to keep them. Because that Mason Bur- we sold Mason Burso for £2 million to Chelsea in the summer. Yeah, and look how well that worked out for Mason Burso. Where, where's that? Yeah, well, where's, look how well it's gone out for Mason Burso and look how well it's worked out for us. Yeah. We didn't see any of the money. So I think, and Miles Leeburn is better than Mason Burstow in every aspect of his game. Well, the only thing you can hope then is that you get a substantial amount of money for him before Sangard does do the My only hope 
is that Miles Lieber, because of how connected he is to the club, both his parents are connected to the club. Maybe he stays still the summer. I would argue that if if Mace, uh, sorry, if Leeburn has any shoulder, sort of shoulder on his head, he will have a look at what happened to Mason Burstow and go, yeah, no, I'm I'm playing, I'm staying. I think that should ultimately be the attitude of any young player: is if you're yeah, playing, especially, stay where you are. My, and my hope is, as I said, like because of his dad's time at the club and his mum works for the club and has a lot to do with the. She's a player liaison. Imagine your mum being a player liaison. Yeah. Mum, sort out my shit. Doesn't make enough has changed for him. Like, and he, and as I said, he's the club's leading goal scorer, I think, still. Yeah. He's been injured two months. Um, he, He's back training, so they say he might be back for games Christmas time, which would be nice. But, I mean, we're six points off the relegate. We're actually six points off the relegation zone and six points off the playoffs. So we're, we're in a really strange place. Um, but I mean, we're getting tanked that's, by Cheltenham and Stockport recent. It's... That's the uniqueness of League One, though, isn't it? With with just a simple win or two, you can all of a sudden rocket straight back up the table. League um, One's this weird, the weirdest league in English football. Now, I I still think the Championship is the best for football in general. Hmm. Um, but the League One's so weird because when you come out, for example, if you go from the Conference, you come out the Conference, you go into League Two. The play is very similar. The budgets are quite similar. You get one or two teams that play a little bit more. You can quite easily get a double promotion. Yeah. And as Forest Green is showing, then you come up to League One and the big boys are starting to filter in. Yeah, because you've like got some Wednesday, big... Portsmouth, yeah. Bolton, they're paying money because you get those clubs that maybe have fallen from the Premier League, but are still, because I think you get five years of pay once you leave yeah. the Premier League, right? So some of them will drop again. Yeah, and have bigger budgets, or you will get the occasional year where a championship team. But I remember, so Chult, my I think the best year of League One football was when we came down to League One the first time, and it was the League One was Leeds, Norwich, Cholton, Bournemouth, Southampton, Millwall, Bradford, Coventry, and it was just like up until the last game of the season nine teams had a chance to win promotion Blimey. or get in the playoffs. And I think all six of the playoff sides could go up. So Norwich had won the league already. Then I think it started the day Norwich, Leeds, Millwall, Swindon, us. And at full time, at one point in the game, it would completely turned around. We were second, Swindon, Millwall. Yeah. And then, then it finished. That was the year that it was all set for a Cholton Millwall playoff final, but we were shit to penalties, which has been a theme of this podcast. So, in conclusion, your hope for Cholton is new manager, new owner? New manager, I'd stay in the league, please. All right, lovely. <laughs> and on that note, we'll wrap up. Again, shout out to our associates. Let us talk mental health. 2-4-2 two, so, two wins in two weeks. Oh, there you go. Look at that. So, get down there and follow them on Twitter at, at let us talk underscore MH. And if you're in the local area where they're having a game, go and give them some support because all the money does go to charity. And the Proper Blokes Club, walking and talking, breaking the stigma surrounding men's mental health at Blokes Club on Twitter or www.thepropablokesclub.co.uk. Thank you once again, that man, Dan, for joining me. No problem. We will be back with you again at the end of the quarterfinals. Which is... uh, In about two days. So. There's no. a game tomorrow. There's, there's a game, game there's two games tomorrow. Monday. Monday night. Two games. Last game's Monday. Saturday. 
Is it? Are you sure? Is there two games Saturday? I think so. You got oh. the England game in the afternoon. Seven o'clock. A- anybody on YouTube, you can like rewind the video to when we had the brackets up, and it will tell you when all the so games. Tomorrow. Are. Tomorrow, there's no there's World two... Cup games. Is there not? No. Saturday. No, tomorrow there's none. I just looked. Okay. Yeah. No. Oh, there is. What is this? No, there is. Yeah. So tomorrow, Croatia, Brazil, three o'clock. Yep. I can watch that on my train. That's nice. Holland, Argentina. I will miss that. That's gonna. I'm gonna. Saturday is England, France, and Morocco, Portugal. Yeah. I'm gonna have to. Oh, I can watch the Morocco Portugal game on my train home. Lovely. There we go. So we'll bring you. We'll probably drop another podcast on probably Monday, maybe. Um, probably Tuesday. Um, so when, I, don't, I will be tired. There will be one coming soon. Anyway, thank you all very much for tuning in. Again, do all the likes, subscribes, head over to Twitter and give us a follow at FBall Funders. Is it FBall? Yes. F under, no? Is that it? Is there an underscore? Funders. No. Okay. And um, yeah, leave a comment. If there's anything you want us to talk about, you want our opinions on, then uh, do all that lovely stuff. Until next time, take care.